أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله we're at سورة الفيل today سورة number 105 just five آيات إن شاء الله but again very very insightful lessons in this surah and you know how it's connected to the previous surahs and also the coming ten surahs so this is this is part of a collection of 10 surahs that are going to be coming that have a very interesting connection between them that you have to really pay attention if you want to get the whole sequence, okay? So just a recap of the previous surah, Surat Al-Humaza. The basic idea there was that someone who has no care for people around him, someone who is insincere, someone who doesn't care about the feelings of others around him, this is the attitude of someone who deserves Al-Hutlamah. Just like he's destroying the emotions and feelings of people around him, he's being careless and selfish. All he thinks about is his own money and his own you know, worldly progress. This person deserves hutama. He's breaking people's feelings. So he deserves a, f- a punishment in the hellfire that's going to crush him and break him into pieces. That was the last surah in the Quran that was going to be talking about the hellfire. Okay? And so now the, the camera focus on, focuses on Quraysh. And a, a situation in their history where, you know, a punishment came in the form of something they saw. So for the first time, something they saw. And remember, the argument for Quraysh was what? We will see when we believe. We will see when we believe. Allah's reminding them, remember, you saw something with your own eyes. That instead of the feel of something, they saw with their own eyes. So here, there, now there's a direct threat for Quraysh in the world. Okay? For the first time. Just like those Ababil, the birds, they came and they... You know, at the command of Allah, they were soldiers of Allah. They destroyed the city. They can come. What makes you sure that they can't come and destroy you, right? This is like a hint for them. And so, here, um, that's really the connection between the two. Now, I want to start the discussion about how these ten surahs, from Surah Al-Fil all the way to Surah Al-Nas, how they're connected. It's a beautiful connection, and this is like one group, the last and final group of the Quran. So, the reference is made to an ayah that Ibrahim makes in Surah Al-Baqarah, where he makes a dua. And we've covered this pr- previously also, when Ibrahim said, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَارْزَقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ He makes a dua to Allah, Ya Allah. Now basically, what's that land there? He's with his son Ismail, and what's there? Nothing. It's, it's basically, وَادِي غَيْرِ ذِي زرع, a, a valley that has literally no... Plants, nothing, okay? But Ibrahim teaches us something. He teaches us we should have visions. Ibrahim is a man of a vision. What's his vision? This city will be a peaceful city, number one, and it will be a prosperous city. And it's very interesting. He's a genius in the sense that he has this vision for the city. Because if you look at political and economic science today, any city, any government, any country, that these two things are fundamentals for any country to survive. If they have these two, they will, be, they will be advancing in society. If you have one of the two, there's no, you're not going to be progressing. You're going to be still suffering. So if you have a city that has a lot of peace, but there's no prosperity, that peace is of no use. You have people dying of hunger, right? There's no benefit of the peace. On the other hand, also, if you have a city that has a lot of prosperity, a lot of money, but there's no peace, you're consistently being bombarded, there's no security, people aren't sleeping at night. You have emotional torture, right? Psychological torture. Yes, you have a lot of money, but you can't enjoy it. You can't even go out. There's tanks outside, there's bombs, right? 
And so you need both to have a balanced society. And this Ibrahim السلام, saw this. And this was his vision for Mecca back then. Now if someone heard this dua, what would he say to Ibrahim السلام? Come on, you know, Ibrahim السلام, be realistic. Yachi. It's valley, no plants, nothing. You want prosperity and peace. But this we're learning, visioning here, subhanAllah, from Ibrahim السلام, our father, right? Father of monotheism. And so, Surah Al-Fil starts off by answering the first part of the dua. رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا Surah Al-Fil is about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this city a city of peace. Okay? And then next surah, Surah Quraysh, prosperity. He gave prosperity to this, uh, these people. لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشِ إِلَافِهِمْ رَحْدَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ Their trade routes were secured for them between Sham and Yemen, you know? during winter, during summer. And we'll talk about this later in the evening. But So you see, peace in Surah Al-Fil, prosperity in Surah Quraysh. Right? And now, at the end of Surah Quraysh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala interestingly makes a statement. He said, Then they should start enslaving themselves to the master of this house. After I gave them peace, Quraysh, I gave them peace, I gave them prosperity, right? They have trade, secured routes now and everything. And this is the dua your father Ibrahim gave you. Now how about you worship the Rabb of Ibrahim? And by the way, Ibrahim made another dua. Rabb, Rabbana wabath fihim rasulam minhum. Send, send to, to them a prophet from among them that would recite unto them your ayat and he would teach them you know, knowledge and wisdom and he would purify them. This was dua Ibrahim made. In the same context of this uh, Surah Al-Baqarah's you know, sequence of ayat. So that question is now, will they worship the house or no? Next surah answers the question. They don't deserve this house anymore. They don't. Surah Al-Ma'un. They denied the favors. Takdeeb. In the whole deen. This message, Ibrahim dua, they forgot the favors of peace and prosperity. They are not worthy, they're arrogant, they're greedy. So the question now is who's worthy? Next surah, Inna a'atainaka al-kawthar. Ya Rasulullah, we have given you al-kawthar. Kawthar, we'll get to it, but it basically means lots of blessings. One of which is the custody of this house. This surah is a, is a good news for the Prophet ﷺ. You'll get the custody of the house and you'll get victory. You know, we gave you Quran, we, we have Sahaba. It's a, it's a good news for the Prophet's victory. As a replacement to they don't deserve it. Ya Rasulullah, you deserve it. Now usually when you... Um, SubhanAllah, in Surah Al-Kawthar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet We've given you this victory. Now you need to pray and you need to sacrifice. These were the legacies of Ibrahim salam, right? Prayer. And sacrifice, literally sacrificing his, his, uh, his son. And so, at the end of Surah Al-Kawthar, Allah says, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ Surah Al-Kawthar was basically about, you know, uh, the Prophet's uncles making fun of him, that his children, his boys, his sons were dying at a young age. So there was no continuity. There, he was being disconnected from his, you know, future lineage okay, of children. Allah said, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ Your enemy is Abtar. In Surah Al-Kawthar, your enemy is going to be disconnected. The question is disconnected from what? And which enemy is Allah talking about? Quraysh all of a sudden became the enemy. Next surah, Surah Al-Kafirun, the Prophet has to stand up and declare that 
خلاص from now on there's a clear conflict between us and you قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Allah is telling the Prophet tell them يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُ from now onwards I'm not worshipping what you worship and you know, fast forward end of the surah you have your own deen, I have my deen. This is a declaration of war and I'm renouncing my citizenship now. I'm not, I'm not part of this. Declaration, literally. Okay? Now, when you get you know, war declaration, uh, you need some sort of comfort from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you, know, you just declared war against Quraysh, your own people, and you're a minority. Don't worry, Rasulullah, I'm with you. And I'm telling you from now, the victory will be yours. Next surah is Nasr. But you know, and, and Allah says, You'll see people coming into this deen and big, big, big numbers. But this is, this is far-fetched, right? It's a, you know, in the long term. Rasulullah wants some hints. And so, okay, you want some hints? I'll give you a minor sign. See this, you know, Abu Lahab, one of your biggest enemies. I'm going to declare that he's one of the people of hellfire while he's alive. And he won't be able to even renounce his disbelief and become a Muslim. This will be a miracle to the end of, end of time. And so minor sign of Abu Lahab. Now sometimes when you fight wars, you forget your purpose. You forget what are we fighting for. You get so involved in, and sometimes dunya takes you here and there. So Allah says, guys, you need to remember your mission. Tawheed. Qul Allahu ahad. This is the legacy of Ibrahim. Don't forget the purpose. Don't forget the why. And so ikhlas... It's, it's mentioned in detail in the next surah, surah al-Ikhlas. But sometimes when, you, when you're focused on your mission, you get threats from the outside and threats from the inside. This happens. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends two guardian angels, surah al-Falaq, to protect us from dangers of the outside. And then surah al-Nas to protect us from dangers in the inside. This is how all these uh, surahs are beautifully connected. And so you see how that dua it started with a dua, a vision. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends the Qur'an beautifully with a sequence of events that will complete this legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Now coming to Surat Al-Fil, very important for us to understand two backgrounds, okay? So you need to pay attention. I'm going to give you the background of um, you know, the city of Mecca and then a background of Yemen and Abraha and his story, okay? It's very important to understand the context. So what basically happened was a city in Yemen called Sabah was the trade center of Arabia, okay? And this was like the central route for trade between Europe and Asia, okay? So very, very wealthy and economically prosperous and even a lot of political power in Sabah. What happened was Allah in the year 450, after, you know, uh, AD, in year 450 AD, what happened? A major flood came. It's called the Great Flood. It came and it washed away and completely destroyed Yemen. What happened to the tribes? That whole economy was destroyed. That power was completely finished. And Yemenis, they started dispersing into different places. Even like Aus al-Khazraj, these were Yemeni tribes who ended up settling in Medina. There were certain tribes who went to, they were looking for water. So where did they go? They ended up in Hijaz, near Zamzam. Okay. Who else was near Zamzam? Ismail alayhi salam. So they, you know, got connected with him. Ismail Islam ended up marrying some of them. And then, you know, as the years passed by, there was a man named Uthayb ibn Kalam. He had a vision also, a man of vision. You know what his vision was? That we need to unite the Arabs. You know, the tribes of Hijaz and Arabs. Let's, let's unite ourselves. And this is a nice city, nice place for us to be united. And so people started coming to this place 
which is called Mecca, you know, the population started increasing. And then Ismail had three children. The most popular of them was Abd Manaf. Okay? Abd Manaf. And Abd Manaf, he had four sons. Okay? Hashim was one of his sons. And Hashim was a man of a vision. What was his vision? He was born about 15 years after the flood. Okay? So he saw an opportunity. He said there's an economic vacuum now. Before Sabah was there, now no one was there. He said he had an idea. Why not make Mecca the center of trade? Since there's no more Sabah, let's make Mecca the center of trade. And so he convinces his three brothers. And they, they called this the agreement of uh, Ilaf. They were the Ilaf companions. They were known, Ashab al-Ilaf. These four brothers. What did they do? They went out to Iraq, to you know, Sham, and all these different uh, tribe uh, or, or business empires. And they told them, let's secure business deals. Okay? Let's forget, you know why they call them Ashab al-Ilaf? Because they had, you know, hatred and, and fights between them and different countries. So they said, let's soften up the hearts. Ilaf means from ulfa, ta'lif, to soften the heart. So they said, let's soften the hearts and let's start doing business with these people. Halas. You know, whatever the past, past halas, let's start doing business. And so they start signing these business agreements with these major, major cities of, of trade. And so... Uh, trade starts becoming uh, very strong in Quraysh and this is basically how Quraysh became a center of business okay how it replaced Yemen and you know Hashim his son was Abdul Muttalib Abdul Muttalib's son was Abdullah Abdullah's son was Muhammad so this we're talking about the great great grandparents of Rasulullah okay who were behind this legacy of, of uh, Yemen being a trade. So Rasulullah came from Banu Hashim, very, very important tribe. And you see now what role Hashim had to play in this, in this whole scene. Now shifting to the situation in Yemen. Okay? So basically what happened after Isa was raised, about 300 years later, okay, um, the Roman empires, basically, uh, the Roman empire was the leading empire back then. And they had control over Turkey and Ethiopia and Yemen and different parts of, of uh, you know, the European part and even parts of Arabia. Now, what happened was there were certain Jews in Yemen who were bothering the Christians of Yemen. Obviously, the Roman Empire, their religion was Christianity. Okay? So some Jews were bothering the Yemenis Christians. So what did they do? They asked uh, the Ethiopian uh, Christians, sent the army to invade these people. And then they, were, they put a Christian king there. What did Abraha do? Abraha was one of the ministers. He did a military coup on this king. And he became the king of uh, Yemen, Christians. Okay? And uh, obviously for him, you know, he still maintained very good ties with Ethiopia, which is very important. Because later on, we're going to learn that to launch his campaign against Quraysh, he's going to partner up with Ethiopia. Okay? So remember that. So he, you know, his purpose of the military coup was, I want to stabilize this region, you know, stop the bloodshed. I'm going to start, you know, thinking of trade agreements. So he decides that, you know what, I'm going to build this thing called Qulays. It's going to be a big monument, a big temple that's going to be the cent that's going to bring back the legacy of Sabah that was gone after the flood. He wants to revive the economy of Yemen. He wants to replace people who are already going to Mecca now. He wants to bring the traffic the foot traffic of, of business and trade back to Yemen. So he built this Qulays, thinking that he'll build it and they will come. But they don't come, obviously. Big mistake, you know. They say also on real estate, never 
build something and say they will come. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to study it well. So anyway, he's concerned. So he sends a message to the king of Ethiopia that, you know what? No one's coming. I set up Qulais. It's a great, great structure, but no one's coming. And so the Arabs find out about this plan that he wants to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, find a replacement, substitute Kaaba. So some angry Arabs, you know, ignorant, angry Arabs, they go there, they have a lot of passion, probably they're young. They go there and just to insult Abraha, they defecate themselves in the Qulais. Literally, yani they relieve themselves, urination and all that. And in some riwayat, they actually burn down the Qulais. Okay, so this is a negative part of history for the Arabs. That they, out of anger and passion, they did something that caused what? Caused Abraha to be extremely angry now. And this was the cause of him launching a an attack on Mecca. Imagine. A lot of people don't know this. Who was behind the cause? It was the Arabs themselves. They brought the trouble to themselves. Abraham had no plans of attacking. But this incident, you know, sparked that anger in Abraham. And he said, I'm going to destroy them. And of course, he needed help. Who's going to seek help from? Ethiopia. He said, I want your help. Ethiopia said, fine, we'll send you tanks. What are the tanks of those times? Elephants. Okay, huge elephants. And they say about... 9 to 13 elephants, which is, which is a lot of numbers. And by the way, Arabs have never seen these, these uh, animals before. You know? For them, it's literally like Godzilla coming into their city now. Yeah. And you know, about, they say, between 10 and 60,000 people as an army going. To attack who? A group of Bedus. They have no army, nothing. So yani, in the physical world sense, they're going to be crushed. They're going to be destroyed. Okay, so he sends these people and um, you know, he reaches in Mecca and Muharram. Now, so what you, what you need to understand, the context is that this is a religious slash political battle. Okay, this attack on Quraysh is a religious slash political battle. Okay, it's, it's about power and it's about deen. And we'll learn later how Abraha actually used religion to incite people to join the battle, which is a political science strategy. You want to go to war, let people, you know, uh, use emotions to attract them to come and join your, your camp. So, religious and polit political conflict is Surat Al-Fil. What about Surat Quraysh? Economic conflict. Okay? So, we'll look at that, inshallah, in the later surahs. So that's the background. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off, A'udhu billahi minshita rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashab al-Fil? Didn't you see what your, or kayfa means how, not what. How he dealt with Ashab al-Fil. Okay? Now, the question here is, Allah is saying, didn't you see? Who is he addressing? If it's Rasulullah, wait a second, Rasulullah wasn't even born. Rasulullah was born about 50 days after this thing, incident happened. So here, Alam Tara, didn't you see? Seeing doesn't necessarily have to mean physically see. But seeing can also mean, didn't you think about it? Just think about what happened. Don't, didn't you see the results of this? You know, so it's more of like... Um, um, and you know, and like inspirational way of thinking about this event. You know, you need to think and reflect on this event. Don't you see how Allah dealt with Ashab al-Fil? And here, Allah uses the word Rabbuka, addressing the Prophet So now, who is listening to this ayah? Rasulullah and Sahaba on one side. On the other side, Quraysh. Okay. So in a way, Quraysh are being reminded of the favor. Right? 
the dua of Ibrahim So on one side, Quraysh is being reminded of the favor. Didn't you see how I saved you? How I gave you security and peace? On the other hand, it's a threat to Quraysh. Didn't you see how I destroyed Ashab al-Fil? I can destroy you also. Okay? So that's on one side, Quraysh. On the other side, Rasulullah is being consoled. Didn't you see how I dealt with Ashab al-Fil? I can deal with Quraysh right now in the similar way and you will be given victory. Don't worry, I'm on your side. Rabbuka. Allah you know, brought himself close to Rasulullah. Rabbuk. I'm with you. I'm not with them. Okay? So Quraysh are hearing this ayah and they're like, oh man, Allah is, with, Allah is on their, his side. Last time he was on whose side? <laughs> on their side, protecting them from Sahabi. This time Allah said, Rabbuka. Uh-oh. He's on their side this time. So there's a threat. So, and, and, and in a way, Rasulullah is also being given a hint that they'll be destroyed soon. Don't worry, you'll get victory. Okay, so you see how both people are being talked to here. And interestingly, the parallel between Rasulullah and Musa alayhi salam. Rasulullah was born right after this Abraha event happened and Quraysh okay, in times of conflict. Similarly, Musa was born when Pharaoh basically made an announcement. He used to see these nightmares. Someone's going to take over his kingdom. And so he announced this. And then a few you know, moments later, days, whatever, and a period later, Musa is born. Similar times. And then, you know, fast forward, victory is Musa's. Pharaoh drowns. Fast forward, Rasulullah victory is in Fath Makkah for Rasulullah So Allah is asking him, aren't you amazed at how I destroyed these people? And we'll talk about how Allah, you know, destroyed these people with the birds, inshallah, when the ayat come. But Allah is telling um, Rasulullah to ponder upon this. And interestingly, Alam Tara is actually uh, present tense verb so it's not just about the past what is Allah hinting to us He's, this is a message for us believers today how this, uh, this surah is relevant to us today you ask any 7 year old kid he'll know this story okay but and, and if you know there were adults here they'd be like oh sort of feel I know this story I'm going Salama, right how am I going to relate to this Allah is saying Alam tara. didn't you see how I dealt with those that oppressive people who tried to mess with my deen, with my people, with Rasulullah Didn't you see those people? Allah is reminding all the people and nations that, are, that have been oppressed with injustice in dunya. He's calling them to see through this surah. Didn't, don't you, didn't you see what I did with Ashab al-Fil? This you know, uh, unjust leader who's oppressing you and causing the bloodshed and you know the... These countries that are bombarding you and making you widows and orphans and, you know, destroying your houses. Didn't you see how I dealt with the people of Ashab al-Fil? So in this surah is, is a comfort for all the Muslims in the world today who are being treated with oppression and injustice. Remember Surah Al-Buruj, Ashab al-Khtut, similar theme here. You know, yes, they got away with it, but don't forget how Allah dealt with Ashab al-Fil. Through this surah, you Muslims will find comfort and consolation. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through birds, not through armies and tanks and F-16s and, you know, drones. Through what? Through birds. Can destroy, yeah, the enemy in, in, in just kun fayakun. And here, interesting, you know, contrast between birds and elephants is drawn in the, in the surah. On one hand, you have feel. Like major tanks, right? 
and birds that are you know symbol of nothing you know weightless birds so here Allah is telling us to reflect and here Quraysh are being reminded wait a second didn't you see you kept saying to Rasulullah show us a sign show us a sign we want to see miracles we want to see you coming down from the sky with a book in your hand we want to see Allah we want to see Jibreel remember now Allah is reminding him, didn't you see what I did with Ashab al-Fil? Wasn't that a miracle? Wasn't that a seen miracle that's enough for you to believe? Was it enough? It wasn't enough. You know? We learn later on. They rejected this. So this incident was a very important incident for the Arabs, for Quraysh. This was actually, because Quraysh didn't have a calendar, by the way. They didn't have months and days. So pretty much this was such a significant event that they actually used it as a milestone in their history so they would you know if someone was born like two years after uh, you know this incident they would call it two years after Amul Fil Amul Fil or the year of the elephant literally it was called was as like a, a milestone in history which was used to refer to other dates subhanallah that's how big of a deal this was so Allah here wants us to reflect on Kaifa not what he did with Ashab Fil how he dealt with them which is very Interesting point. Allah didn't say, Alam tara madha fa'ala rabbuka bashabi. He said, Alam tara kayfa. So Allah wants us to reflect on how easily He destroyed this. This power that you felt were undefeatable. This, you know, and, and we talk about this nowadays, right? Muslims, they see the enemy as powerful and mighty and strong and advanced. Allah is saying, focus on how. The, the ibrah, the, the message is in the how. How I dealt with them. With birds, with stones. That's it. That, those were my, my soldiers. So Allah here wants to build the yaqeen of the believer again. Okay, again, the yaqeen concept is coming back. Don't you remember this incident? Do you have a doubt that this incident took place? Do you have any doubt? Or are you 100% sure it happened? So, you know, sometimes, like we said, ilmul yaqeen, right? You have knowledge of the story. You know, all kids know the knowledge. But do we have aynul yaqeen and haqqul yaqeen? The Quraysh had Aynul Yaqeen, right? They saw this incident. This didn't lead them to believe. My question for the believers is, do we have Haqqul Yaqeen, that this actually happened and can happen anytime? You know? So, Fa'ala, also, beautiful word here. You know, because it's a short surah, I'm going to focus on the words a lot. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bashab al-feel. Allah didn't say, alam tara kayfa amala rabbuka. Remember what we said about the difference between fa'al and amal? Amal is something that you do with Intention, you think about it. Fa'al, it's easy, effortless. Allah is showing how easy it was. It was just a fa'al, not amal. I don't have to think about it too much. I don't have to plan. You know? And so here Allah is um, also reminding the, the Quraysh. He's also reminding them that he's their Rabb. Will they, after Surah Quraysh, also later on, will they, will they worship this, the Lord of this house? After, you know, the favors of the peace and the favors of prosperity. So reminding them also. So Ashab al-Fil, <coughs> also very interesting here. Number one, Allah didn't say, you know, Ashab Abraha. What did he say? Ashab al-Fil. And Fil is an animal. So in a way, Allah is <coughs> humiliating these people. These people are so disgraced. They want to attack the house of Allah, the honorable Kaaba. I would call them Ashab al-Fil. They are worthless like animals. So it's a humiliation. It's an insult to the army of Abraha and Abraha himself. And also interestingly, you know how like 
When you say Ashab Rasulullah, right? Sahaba. Who is more honorable, the Sahaba or Rasulullah? Rasulullah, of course. Rasulullah is a higher status. Sahaba are lower, right? So when you say Sahaba, Ashab Rasulullah, Ashab are the inferior and the Rasul is superior, right? They're inferior, he is superior. When you say Ashab al-Feel, similarly, the Ashab are inferior. Who is superior? Feel. Allah is saying that animals are better than you. And you know, in Surah Al-A'raf, this beautiful uh, ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, We have prepared for Jahannam a lot of people from jinn and ants. Why? They have hearts which they don't understand with. They have eyes but they don't see with it. They have ears but they're not listening. They're not listening to his ayah, they're not listening to advice. Now Allah, what does he say? They're like cattle. But then he says, Balhum In fact, you know what? They're worse than cattle. They're worse than animals. They are the ones who are completely heedless, completely distracted. So here, Allah is saying that these people are worse than animals. They're ashab al-field. Fields are better than them. You know? And um, another interesting thing that happens is, subhanAllah, the ruwayat say that these fields, as they were attacking the Kaaba, they would change direction. They wouldn't, they wouldn't face the Kaaba. So Allah is teaching us, subhanAllah, that animals are better than you. Animals aren't daring to attack this noble house, and you dare to do that? You're worse than animals. And so, um, elephants understand this qa'ad of the hadith of the Prophet where he said, لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق That there is no obedience for the creation, in disobedience to the Creator. The elephants understood this, subhanAllah. Yeah. And, and why did Allah say Ashab al-Feel, not Ashab al-Fiyala? Because um, the, the singular for, feel, uh, for elephant is feel, and the plural for elephant is fiyala in Arabic. Why did he say Ashab al-Feel? The friends and the companions of the elephant. You know, some riwayats say that the, the biggest of the fiyala was Mahmud. His name was Mahmud. He was the field that Abraha was on. And specifically, this elephant himself was the one who wasn't going front. He wasn't going towards the Kaaba, subhanAllah. So, أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي تَضْلِيلِ Didn't he make their plans completely uh, worthless and wasted? So let's spend a little bit, a bit of time on this now. أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ Didn't he make, again, يَجْعَلْ Effortless. Didn't he make their, their plot, their evil plot, worth nothing? This is what tadlil means, from dalal, from lost, you know, worthless. So let's, let's spend a bit of time on this. So here is a further reminder now. Further reminder for who? For Rasulullah that, you know, I know Quraysh are making big plans against you, but didn't you see how I, you know, uh, destroyed their plans? Did Abraham have big plans? Of course, he planned, he gathered the army, he gathered, you know, he imported the elephants. He put a proper strategy in place. He had partners and he has armies come from Ethiopia and other places, you know, to join him. So he was planning, 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 planning. They trained probably. They practiced. They marched. They went forward and they started executing. What did Allah do? He wasted that effort. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deals with these people who plan. They plan, plan, plan. Allah says, Kaid is like a very... 
like thought, well thought out, well planned uh, strategy. That's Kaid. Allah is saying, يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي تَضْلِيلٍ يَجْعَلْ Effortlessly that plan, that huge strategic plan, I made it fi tadlil. I made it worth nothing. And here's an interesting thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes do, does with uh, people who plan plots, evil plots. Uh, a nice example of this is, you know, when you want to, um, like, give you two examples, okay? You have a dog that's tied up to a pole with a rope, okay? But that rope is only one meter long. What's the dog going to do? Nothing, right? I mean, he's going to roam around the pole because it's just one meter long. But if you really want to torture this dog, give him a 400 meter leash tied to the pole. So the leash is 400 meters long now. What's the dog going to start doing? He's going to start running, thinking he's free, right? He's going to run and he'll be happy, be partying, running, running. All of a sudden, when he reaches the end of the rope, what's going to happen? He's going to be yanked. Instant, probably even death, instantly, right? This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does with people who disbelieve. He lets the rope, you know, Allah says, وَيَمُدُّهُمْ فِي طُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ In Surah Al-Baqarah. He will extend the rope for them. Jaw, jaw. Karo planning, jaw, you know? Keep planning, keep planning. And then, فَأَخَذَهُمْ أَخْذَ عَزِيزٍ مُقْتَدِرٍ He will take them at once. So this, for them, they think this is, uh, Allah is happy with us, you know? Allah is just extending that rope. So subhanAllah, this is what he, he's telling us in this ayah. They had a long rope of planning. Allah made it fi tadlil. Um, and you know, uh, interestingly, what was the kaid, by the way? What was the kaid of Abraha? Kaid also here means like when you have a decept or like a secret plan. A secret plan, which is very, very interesting, okay? It's not like makr. There's another word in the Arabic language called makr for also plotting. Makr is when you deceive people. Kaid is when you have a secret plan. Now, it's ironic because Abraham's plan was pretty open, right? What was the secret plan? Allah is revealing what was inside uh, Abraham's heart. He had love of wealth. He wanted money. That was the secret plot. All this attack and, you know, deen and Christianity and our nation and Yemen, the tribe and pride, you know. This is all on the outside. It was all like a big cade. And he was just tricking his people to incite them to come. And, you know, politicians do this now, right? How do they get people in the army? They talk about, you see the national flag and their speeches about our nation, our religion. And people get excited. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And they come. But... Deep down inside, Allah is saying, there's Kaid. That Kaid is, he wants business. He wants economy. He wants to buy the cars and the house. And he, ash, you know, he wants to do ash. SubhanAllah. So how Allah, the choice of the words is just unbelievable here. And this was an interestingly, look at the parallel between these and Quraysh. What was the reason Quraysh disbelieved? There was, they were planning also, right? All this thing about, no, you know, our aliha and, you know, this is a house of worship and people come and do hajj. What was deep down inside the, the secret plot for the Quraysh? It was the money. These idols, the 360 idols, they were represented by people who would come and do business and there was traffic coming in. And so for them, you know, أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا إِنَّ هَذَا لَشَيْءٌ عُجَابٌ they say, did he make all these aliha one ilah? Oh, my, no way. 
our trade will be affected. These 360 idols will be one idol. We'll have one tribe coming in. No, man, we want money. So deep down inside, Allah is exposing Quraysh. And Quraysh, as they hear these ayat, they're getting the hint, by the way. You know, because they're, they're masters of this language. They understand the hint. So same problem of money, subhanAllah. And tadlil also means that, you know, a plan that's completely lost and you can't even see it anymore. You know, completely wasted, completely destroyed, completely worth nothing. You know, it's like, يعني, imagine you have like 600 pages of uh, strategy for attacking Quraysh, right? Allah took that plan, that entire 600 pages of book, throws it in fire and it, it, uh, it, hap- it becomes like we'll see later. Just like corn stalks that are crushed. Nothing, worth nothing. You know, wind will come and just blow it away. That 600 pages of plans. So, you know, what, what, were, the plan, what were the failed plans? Number one, Qulays, he built it. It failed as a plan, right? Attack on Kaaba failed as a plan. His use of the tanks failed as a plan. And, and failed with what? With birds. You know, so completely Allah saying, يعني, very easy for me to do. Then Allah says, وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ And so he sent on them, not إِلَيْهِمْ When Allah talks about, talks about prophets, He says, وَأَرْسَلَ إِلَيْهِمْ I sent to them. Yeah, Allah didn't say, I sent to them birds, because obviously birds are not doing da'wah to these guys. They're coming to destroy them. And destruction, when Allah sends destruction, it comes from above, always. Whenever the power of Allah and His, his destruction comes, it comes from above. So this is the imagery. وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ And طَيْرًا here, Allah didn't say طُيُور. طُيُور is also a plural of birds. طُيُور is, is used for birds of the same kind. Whereas طَيْرًا is birds of different kinds. Strange, weird birds that they had never seen before. And we have from the books of history a lot of riwayat of people, witnesses who saw this event, right? They survived. By the way, I forgot to tell you that, you know, when, when these people, they attacked, when Abraha attacked, what happened to most of the, uh, you know, residents of Quraysh? They fled to the mountains. Because are they going to fight back against elephants? <laughs> They're not going to fight back. But we had a few exceptions of people, like uh, Abdul Muttalib, who actually went and he started, you know, having negotiations with Abraha and stuff, but nothing worked out. Yeah. But for the most part, people fled. So it was like, yani, uh, a victory without even fighting yani, for Abraha, literally. And yani, you're fight, going against the army, army decides to flee. Khalas, come, take over the Kaaba without even fighting. You know? So it's very important to keep this in mind. Yani. There was literally no resistance. They all fled to the mountain. And so, You know, you see this tanween, tayran, it's supposed to add like terror. Tayran ababil. And these, you know, uh, yani, uh, these birds were never seen before. Completely like strange birds. And they say they had three stones in them. One on the beak and two on each, like, I don't know what they call it, feet, let's call it. Like feet of the birds had one here, one here, and then one in the, uh, in the beak of the bird. And so, um, subhanAllah, birds against what? Elephants. That was the battle. Literally, yani. Because, you know, Abraham and his army, they're not getting down of the elephants, right? The elephants are basically going to be used for destruction. Yes, you have army and stuff, but the primary weapon was birds, uh, b- uh, elephants against Allah's soldiers, the birds, yani, subhanAllah. So, تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِّنْ سِجِّيلٍ Very interesting word. تَرْمِيهِمْ 
Rimaya in the Arabic language is used for literally archery. Now the sport of archery is about what? It's about aiming at the target, right? And here Allah is saying these are trained birds that don't miss their target. Tarmihan. And so who are the target? The attackers. And subhanAllah, the witnesses say that these birds, when they hit, they, they literally... Rami also means, to, you know, uh, when you literally throw a stone or something. So here, Allah is saying that when these birds threw the stones, they would literally, the target would be the skull and it would come out from the other side. That's how, like, fast, like very fast bullet-like stones. And think about gravity, right, also. Like the force of gravity coming down. Imagine like a, a stone that literally comes down from the sky. Uh, and not one stone, stones. Termihim is a, is a present tense verb, which means it kept happening. Termihim, literally rain of stones that's not missing. You can't say, uh, I missed, I missed. No, no, no. <laughs> These are literally guided missiles, you know, like they use in war now. Like missiles that guide their target. Yeah. They follow the target. There's, I read once a report that they've like, I think Israel has like certain uh, uh, rockets that make L-shaped turns, literally. So if there's like a wall, it will go like this and then like this, subhanAllah. Allah is saying, Tarmihim. They won't mess. Tarmihim bihijaratin. And with what? Bihijaratin means sijil. With stones from sijil. What is sijil? Literally dust. Dust that mixed with rain. And it like piles up into stones. So Allah is saying, I destroyed destroy them with birds and with dust. Tarmihim bihijaratin min sijil. So, um, guided missiles coming from above. And, you know, interesting, sijil comes from a Farsi word, which, which means sange gil, which means, uh, you know, rainy uh, mud. Sange gil. When rain and mud mix together and they dry after the sun hits it, you know, in the heat, that's what literally sijil is. So this is what was used. With water and clay, we destroyed them. And they say when, when this, these stones would hit them, they would start getting this really uh, bad skin disease and their skin would start melting. The skin would start melting and literally, so imagine all these bodies like that are rotten after this attack happened. But um, then Allah says, فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولٍ And then I made them like this, like I told you, corn stalks that are eaten up. And the imagery here is literally of a camel. You know how sometimes camels, like they're not neat eaters, right? When they eat from like, let's say there's a haystack of like, I don't know, uh, like plants or whatever they eat, right? What happens when, like imagine a camel that's trying to eat. Right? He's chewing, he's chewing and chewing. And what's happening as he's chewing? Some of it is falling out, right? That's asf. The leftover food from the camel's chewing. Allah is saying that's, that's how they became. This big army, they ended up like this worth, worthless, you know, uh, crumbled plants that the wind just blows away. And um, asf is when uh, wind comes and blows it away, literally. Rihin asif, right? Asifa is a storm, literally. So asf is like this, this corn stalk that's just blown away with, with, uh, with the wind. And so here, um, another very, very interesting point was that Abraha, interestingly, doesn't die in Mecca. He actually fleed. He got infected, but fleed and died where? In Yemen. 
Why did he die in Yemen? So that the Yemen people and the Ethiopians and the Roman Empire would never think of attacking Mecca again. SubhanAllah. This is part of Allah's plan. You know? وَيَمْكُرُونَ وَيَمْكُرُ اللَّهِ Allah has إِنَّهُمْ يَكِيدُونَ كَيْدَ وَأَكِيدُ كَيْدَ Right? They plan and I plan. Allah's plan was that, yes, all his entire army would die there, but Abraha would survive and go back to Yemen to show them how messed up his disease was. And by the way, they say that his people didn't even welcome him because they were afraid that this disease might infect them. Because yani. it was contagious, this like skin disease, disgusting stuff. Yani. So his people deserted him, number one. Number two, they freaked out. They would never ever dare come and attack this Kaaba again. SubhanAllah. You know, and you never know, some of them maybe found this as a miracle and actually came to the Kaaba. You know, it was a reminder for them and they accepted Islam after this. So completely defenseless, completely worth nothing. This is really the, uh, the end of the surah. And what's is interesting about the rhyme scheme, listen to the rhyme scheme. أَلَمْ تَرَى كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي تَضْلِيلِ وَأَرْسَلْ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلِ تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِّنْ سِجِّيلِ فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولِ what do you notice? The end, game over. <laughs> so it's continuing, continuing, and the end, subhanAllah, even the rhyme scheme shows you how it was completely ended. Yani. So, what are we learning from the surah? We're learning how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He, um, through this wonderful event from history, right, is warning the tyrants of our times that you are planning, you are you know, launching these wars and these media wars and, you know, through entertainment and whatever systems you have. You're, you're waging war against Muslims, against this deen. But Allah is watching. And Allah's angels are watching. Allah's soldiers are waiting for a command. And this command can come anytime. So for, for people of oppression, people who are unjust, they listen to the surah, they should be freaking out. That Allah doesn't need any power, just with birds. He can completely wipe us out and make us like, like this asfim ma'kul. And you know, here also is uh, comfort for the believers that we should be people of yaqeen. Literally, this surah should give us yaqeen that and certainty and haqqul yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on our side, number one. Number two, that He can destroy these people in any second. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be. Um, you know, so obsessed with the power and the might and the strength and the research. Yes, it's important to progress technologically and stuff, but in the, in the scales of Allah, these things don't matter. You know? Allah's jund, jundullah, angels, wind, water, birds, that's, that's what Allah needs. Yeah. He doesn't need you know, Robocop and uh, you know, Transformers and ro none of these robots, nothing. Yeah. So this yeah, subhanAllah, is supposed to uh, humble us also to humble us and, and uh, yani remind us also of the favors of Allah subhanahu wa by the way yani, yes it's being addressing the kuffar of Quraysh but you know we gotta also be careful that we don't diffuse the responsibility that kuffar are being threatened and no Allah is also here talking to the Muslims that how many favors has Allah given you are you living in peace has Allah given you food in the fridge do you have safety? Are you praying in the masjid five times a day? Is anyone bothering you? Is anyone letting you, stopping you from practicing? Do you have safety? 
Do you have burglars coming in your house? If so, then enslave yourself to me. So we, got, we can't diffuse and say this is just about the kuffar. Allah's, how many people today, Muslims, are enjoying the safety of Allah's path? This story is about safety, right? And peace. Aren't we living in peace, guys? I mean, we have, literally, we can come and you know, do this dars in the masjid. No one's bothering us. We're praying, reading Quran, conducting lectures, whatever. You know, your, your children are going to school. No bombs, threats, you know? Although we have some, like, safety threats nowadays in the masjids, right? But for the most part, alhamdulillah, we go to the mall, you, you know, go to school, you go to work, traffic is going normally, people are enjoying Ramadan, iftar parties are happening. We're living in safety, right? Allah is saying, are you my slaves? I'm giving you all these blessings for you to enslave yourself to me. Remember, alhamdulillah, tying this to Surah Al-Fatiha, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, connected to iyyaka na'bud. Ya Allah, we thank you for your blessings. We appreciate these blessings. Therefore, iyyaka na'bud. Khalas, ya Allah. I enslave myself. So the question is, are we enslaving ourselves to him or are we being slaves of our own desires and our own entertainment and our own, you know, uh, worldly life and, you know, al-haqam al-takathur and just accumulating wealth and hurting people, you know, doing humaza and lumaza, not being concerned about people around us. So it's all connected, right? So, you know, we ask Allah to, inshallah, protect us and make us true slaves of our, of our Rabb and to make us people who, you know, appreciate His blessings and appreciate of this peace that we're in and may He continue this peace in our lives and not make uh, us live lives of fear, just like our brothers and sisters and our uncles and aunts and our parents and our, yani, our mothers and fathers who are literally living in fear on a day-to-day -day basis. They're breaking their fast, not knowing if a bomb is coming. You know, some people's houses are being bulldozed, literally, uh, while they're there. Some people, armies are coming in and raping their mother and sisters in front of their, their eyes. So, you know, we, subhanAllah, we have no clue what they're going through. So we got to be thankful and we got to make this thanks translate into action by being true slaves. Zakumallahu khayran. Subhanakallahu bihamdik. Nashadun la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiraka wa natubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.